Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center kicks off hour number three here on the Big Talker FM. Six minutes past 9 a.m. Eastern time on this Good Friday, a Freedom Friday on the Big Talker FM, April 10th, 2020. For the last number of years, Yael has been writing, so it is in fact you know not just talking where it goes into thin air and then it leaves us. He actually has published work criticizing and calling into question the efforts and the actions of the World Health Organization, an organization in which you, the U.S. taxpayer, funds at the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars each year. In fact, you fund 15% of the annual budget for the World Health Organization. He's been talking about it for years along with the Consumer Choice Center, in which he represents. And uh, now, well, we've heard from the president just this week, kind of on the bandwagon, talking about, uh, you know, stripping the WHO of funding. That's where we'll start here this morning with uh, Yael. Yael, it's great to have you on. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for uh, very much. It's a very good Friday and a happy Freedom Friday. No question. And uh, for yourself, I mean, you know, you hate when you're right when you well, you hate when you're you hate when you're right. No, yeah, I know you. You probably wake out with a little smirk in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth, saying, "Man, I love writing about things years ago, and then they all come to fruition." I mean, doesn't it make me look good? These are the types of things that you would wish you were completely inaccurate on when we talk about uh, an organization that has virtually shut down the world in a matter of months. Exactly, and this is the this is the stuff that you know we've been talking about because it was important at the time, and now it's even more important. You know, the big issue that we had with the World Health Organization starting back in 2017 is we saw that they were making all their efforts, spending hundreds of millions of dollars of their budgets to try to make vaping illegal. They're trying to put out all these obesity, anti-obesity campaigns to raise soda taxes everywhere and to also promote universal health care schemes, socialized medicine around the world. That's where they were putting most of their resources and money, and because they were doing that, it allowed them to miss the ball on the Ebola crisis that we had a number of years ago, if your listeners remember that. And that's where we said, look, enough is enough. This is an organization that is supposed to be safeguarding public health, and all they do instead is go after vaping, which is a harm-reducing tool that former smokers love. They've been going after... Um, any consumer who wants to purchase soda and they want to raise soda taxes everywhere, they're giving people grants, partnering with people like former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, getting hundreds of millions of dollars to raise soda taxes. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that they've been busy at doing. And while all this is happening, real epidemics were happening and now a global pandemic with the coronavirus. So. You know, it's sad to see. It's sad it had to come to this, but we're very happy that uh, President Trump has come to our side on this. Well, we hear so much about mixed-up priorities uh, in a place that's been hardest hit in our country, of course, the New York City metro area. Uh, This is a city and uh, a group of government officials. So when we talk about mixed-up priorities, uh, they were focused on rising sea levels uh, around Manhattan and, uh, you know, 
installing uh, you know new green restrictions on their skyscrapers, not uh, ramping up uh, potential supplies in the in the attempt uh, that there may be some type of pandemic or health risk to people. There were a lot of warning signs out there over the last several years. It's just amazing that some of these government leaders, some of these organizations that are I guess responsible for the safety and well-being of the society in which they represent. Uh, well, they have failed immensely. Obviously, the way we've seen this go out of get out of control in places like New York. Yeah, it's been a, a lot of an ideological playground in many of these larger cities. You know, they've focused on things like raising taxes. They focus on things like banning plastic bags, on putting more restrictions on certain professional licenses. And once this crisis hit, what's the first thing they did? Well, they allowed you to finally buy your plastic bag when you got your groceries. They finally allowed doctors and other health professionals from out of the state to practice in their state. I mean, all the laws and restrictions that they've been ideologically heralding and pushing these last number of years are the ones that they're repealing in a time of emergency. Look, if your bill or your law is having to be repealed in an emergency because it's actually contributing to people suffering or spreading the virus, maybe it's not a good law in the first place. That's why we need critics. That's why we need good investigative journalists. We need people on the radio who discuss this, Joe. We need uh, your listeners and followers. You know, Put some pressure on your congressman. Put some pressure on your county commissioners and your mayors. There's a lot of very dumb laws that overstretch their bounds and don't really protect us. They don't really safeguard our freedom. They certainly don't protect us from pandemics. So that's a lesson that we're going to have to hold forward. So this is uh, something that is not just the case in New York. Very much you could see the same thing happening in Florida. We could see even more happening in New Orleans and California. Hopefully not yet in North Carolina, but man, this is a—it's uh, really changing uh, the entire calculus of how government is run. And I think hopefully, if we have some influence, we can make things better, make people freer, and, and protect us from this stuff in the future. We have seen over 200, in fact, uh, regulations at the federal level get uh, uh, rescinded due to efforts in a fight against this pandemic. Uh, one instance that uh, continues to come up uh, from the statewide perspective. These certificate of need laws, can you explain to us what the certificate of need laws are, why they're there, and how we should look at refocusing our energy on getting rid of some of these laws once the smoke clears from this? Yeah, so the certificate of need laws, uh, most importantly, they're, they're invoked whenever you're trying to build any kind of medical facility or healthcare facility. And essentially, you're having to ask permission and get all kinds of red tape and things signed off before you're allowed to build any kind of health facility that the people might need in a particular area. And obviously, with the huge influx in, in many large cities and various states, uh, that was just kind of thrown away because they say this is kind of garbage. Our people know how to build hospitals. They know how to build healthcare facilities. They can do it quickly. They can do it without all the red tape, without all the bureaucrats getting in the way, without all the inspections. I mean, it's something that we need to get rid of, not just now temporarily on an emergency level, but really going forward. I mean, this is a the healthcare industry is so overregulated. You would not think that if, if people talk about healthcare and you, you listen to a lot of the Democratic candidates for president, I guess now we're down to just one. But, you know, this is something where people have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just to put together a very small hospital or emergency care place. 
this is the, the kind of stuff that really makes it very expensive to have health care in our country. It's not necessarily because it's in the private market, but because of the government regulation, the interference, um, all the red tape that exists. So I think this is a, just another good case for repealing this going forward and you know, allow people to build, allow people to put up their own buildings, whether they be healthcare facilities or anything else. We don't need to have billions upon billions of dollars spent in following through and surveillance on the inspectors or on our building sites. I mean, this is, this is very easy. This is just one of, of many of the laws that you talk about, Joe, that have been overturned and eased. I think this is a good way to promote freedom. Let's, uh, let's just get rid of them all together. Going back to the World Health Organization, well, they have been running with China in their response and kind of, you know, delivering the message out to the rest of the world that the Chinese are the ones that are going to help us through this pandemic because that is where it all began. Well, we can also make the argument where it was the Chinese after the Lunar New Year and there were millions of people flocking that country or fleeing that country after the initial virus had hit uh, right that coincided with the Chinese New Year and these millions of people went all around the world potentially and uh, in likelihood uh, spreading the virus it's just amazing to me how that uh, well the propaganda that continues to be spewed by the World Health Organization even media companies and publications here in our own country in the United States have kind of, you know, tried to run a, a, a counter campaign as to a lot of the criticisms that people have had for the Chinese communist government in the last few months. Oh, yeah, the propaganda campaign has been very loud and proud. It's very sad that many of these talking points have found their way into the um, basically the scripts of all the journalists who are trying to apparently hold the government accountable. It's actually been very sad, Joe. You know, and I, for my fellow journalists, um, those in the craft, you don't get your cues from communist China. You just don't. They, they have been known to lie on so many instances, and specifically with the beginning of this virus, with the existence of the virus. Let's not forget that they were the ones putting journalists in jail when they would talk about this, when they would put doctors in jail whenever they talk, try to talk about how serious this was in Wuhan. You know, that's the big issue, and the World Health Organization has been covering up for them. They've been essentially giving them a pass and playing down any kind of criticism that China had in the very beginning of this. And, and that's why, look, this is another instance that the World Health Organization has just failed. It makes no sense to try to cover for China here. Um, the World Health Organization is not supposed to be about politics. It's not supposed to be about propaganda. It's supposed to be about public health. The problem is that it is run by very political people, and any time that you can get an unaccountable international organization, such as the World Health Organization and different UN institutions, you're going to have a lot of corruption, you're going to have a lot of political influence, and yeah, you get the wrong people in there, you might have people kowtowing to China. So it's, it's refreshing to hear President Trump talk about this. I don't often say it, but I totally agree with him on that, and it's a good reason for the U.S. to consider defunding uh, the World Health Organization. It is freezing all of its contributions for the rest of the fiscal year. That's just something they should think about going forward. We don't need this type of political organization that just weaponizes everything in their view and doesn't ever really focus on pandemics. And that's just sad. And it's sad for you know the millions of people who 
have been infected with this virus, will be infected with this virus, and might end up having some complications. Um, this is just uh, atrocious, atrocious of our international health organizations. There's a better way to do it. That's why we put together a petition. It is defundwho.org. Uh, you can find the petition there. We're already, I think we're at 550, Joe. So we're, we just launched that yesterday, already getting a lot of people uh, signing up. People understand the message. Now's the time to do it. We say all the better. Defundwho.org to sign the petition. A reminder, the United States, uh, you the taxpayer, well, give uh, nearly $116 million uh, on, uh, as part of its annual budget, uh, the largest donor to the World Health Organization of all countries. In the meantime, uh, the Chinese Communist government, uh, they give about 0.5% of the annual budget, while America funds about 15% of the annual World Health Organization budget. Uh, and uh, we want to reiterate that it was the Consumer Choice Center, Yael Asowski, back in 2017, waving the red flags and leading the efforts in calling on the United States and other nations to cut funding to the World Health Organization, saying they've got mixed up priorities. We need to realign them toward health emergencies, one in which we are facing right now. That was three years ago they were talking about it. If you don't believe us, a quick Google search will show you all of the published articles written by Yael and his colleagues at the Consumer Choice Center highlighting uh, the, the issues that they have seen with this World Health Organization. Yael, you are centered in Vienna, Austria, and we got news from your country just uh, this week that, in fact, Austria is the first European country that is beginning to uh, lift up some of those restrictions. Can you give us an update on that? Yeah, so uh, basically the first death uh, from the coronavirus in Austria was on March 12th. Two days later, March 14th, um, that's sort of when the quarantine order went out. The shops were closed. Schools were closed. They acted very, very quickly. They already got the testing together. They made sure the hospitals were prepped. And because of those efforts, uh, we've been able to curb the amount of cases and the number of deaths. And we're actually open for business starting on Tuesday next week. So this is uh, the first free country uh, because China says they've opened up, which is a total lie. But we're the first free country <laughs> to actually open our doors uh, first, it's going to be smaller businesses, small shops, and then after that, the next week, it's going to be hair salons, barbers, garden centers, and then the week after that, bars and restaurants. Now, the social distancing rules are still going to be in effect. You're still going to be required to wear a mask in public whenever you go to the grocery store or to the pharmacy or any of these small stores, but this gives a lot of hope. If you do it right, if you are able to make sure that the social distancing is enforced and people are able to do that voluntarily without too much, uh, I guess, coercion and cops in the streets, you can actually get a lot of compliance. You can actually curb the virus and its spread and uh, hopefully get a lot of people back to work, which I think should be our priority once we get this virus in order. I think uh, that uh, is a response uh, to a question that a lot of people in our country have right now, of course. We've seen some of the, the models and the other estimates have dwindled dramatically over the last month or so. We went from, well, some of our healthcare care experts telling us that 2, 3 million people are going to die to 100,000, and now yesterday the model gets dropped to 60,000, which is great news. So, again, I posed the question on social media last night, you know, what's that pitch going to be to the American people as to why we should continue to stay home 
know, pretty much uh, shut down through the end of May. You just heard from Yael describe how Austria, and of course, you know, much smaller country, the population different, and I would say that bodes well for the United States, given that we have a very vast land across our nation, that uh, you heard how they are systematically going to start to reopen. The question is now here, Yael, is when will the sleeping American economy awaken, and how will they do that? Well, it's definitely going to have to come soon. Um, I mean, there's a lot of social distancing that, is, that has happened. There have been a lot of people who have been very responsible. Um, a lot of hospitals have a lot of resources. There's a lot of money flowing, a lot of equipment that's going out. And while we're all prepared on that front, you know, we have to look at the, the real calamity here is people are losing their jobs. You know, there's a, a huge decline, a government-imposed decline on the economy that is it's just it dwarfs anything we've ever seen, Joe. You know, I thought it was just service jobs. I thought it was just, you know, the restaurants and things like this. But this is happening more and more. I mean, I, there are healthcare professionals and workers that are being laid off, you know, by the thousands because the elective surgeries have been canceled and hospitals can't make up revenue. So what are they supposed to do? Um, I mean, I've, I've even heard stories of people in the finance industry that are now being furloughed. Obviously, a lot of the sports teams not playing right now, so there's a huge miss. Um, you know, the, the cure that we've been given is, is obviously important. It's important to do it quickly, but it, there's a time limit on this. And, you know, we're going to have more people suffering if we prolong this than we would have otherwise. I think, you know, the, we have never seen unemployment numbers this high. We've never seen the amount of people who are lining up at food banks I mean, let's let's really evaluate the damage here. I think the United States, the people, uh, citizens are very responsible. They're smart. They're rugged individualists. They understand how to uphold guidelines. They understand how we can do this voluntarily, and I think we can get back to work. You know, maybe it is a week, two weeks. Um, we'll see what happens. It depends on the state and the situation. I know that in Cabarrus County outside of Charlotte, Joe, there have been 80 cases, one death, and you have thousands of people that have lost their jobs. So there's, you know, some areas of the country, it's still very important. Maybe there you need harsher measures. Maybe there are people who are at risk who should not be going out. But we have the technology. We have these antibody tests that are coming out. If people aren't sick or they've already happened and they've recovered, they should be able to get back to work. We've got to jumpstart our economy again. We've got to get people back to work, start producing, start being creative. Uh, the market is actually very good at solving a lot of these problems. If we allowed our people to go out and work, uh, who knows what kind of potential uh, things that we'd be able to fix with that, too. President Trump, of course, announced yesterday, if you were tuned into some of the news networks, you heard his statement that they are forming another task force that will focus solely on the economy and what the makeup of that task force will look like is interesting to me. And, in fact, now hearing of another country in Europe, how they have gone, as Yael described just a few minutes ago, how they are adjusting and uh, reopening their economy, but also doing so while keeping certain guidelines in place. Uh, you know, it's going to have to be something along those lines. And as you said, uh, sooner rather than later, I mean, you're talking it's April 10th here in North Carolina. That stay-at-home order, I think, is in place through the end of the month. Uh, I mean, you're talking another two and a half weeks of this. And then into May, you're talking maybe end of May, some people are talking extending this. Uh, I, I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, and I think, look, we've, we've given President Trump the advice on the World Health Organization. Um, we're very free to take the call to, to be part of this task force, too, President Trump. Give us a call. 
you know, talk well, up Joe on Twitter and then send us an invite. And, you know, I mean, you have, uh, well, you have seen in, in the country where you reside right now, you know, how they're planning on doing it. Uh, and, of course, we're already being cautioned and told that, that if we go into a reopen, it's going to re-hit us and, and uh, you know, swarm and surge once again, and, and all of the, the gains that we made will be lost. Uh, so I know there's a fine line, a very difficult decision is going to have to be made. But I think, you know, as your country is going through this. You know, they're systematically going to see week by week, and this is the plan. Well, at least there's a plan and some certainty there, and that can bring some hope and optimism to your people, and I just hope that that comes here again sooner than later. Yes, sir. It's coming soon. I think uh, you know people are waking up. People understand. People are taking their own measures. Look, when you go to the grocery store, you go to the pharmacy, uh, it was not because of government rules that people set up barriers and started wearing masks and gloves. They did it voluntarily because that's what you have to do. And I think everyone in the citizenry will do the very much the same thing without these huge lockdown orders. All right, Yael, before I let you go, I know uh, since you've been on lockdown, so to speak, over the last uh, couple of weeks, you've had to figure out some stuff to do with your time. Of course, spending time with your wife and your beautiful daughter, uh, along with your contributions to the Consumer Choice Center and uh, this radio program and station. Of course, you can hear Yael tomorrow uh, beginning at 10 a.m., Consumer Choice Radio airs Saturdays at 10 a.m. here on the Big Talker FM. But I know you also come from a family of NASCAR enthusiasts. In fact, several family members have worked within the NASCAR ranks for several years because of your presence in the Charlotte area, your family. So I know NASCAR has gone virtual, and there's been some interesting ways that you've been spending your time and communicating with your loved ones during this quarantine that we're facing around the world. Oh, yeah. So uh, my brothers and I, we, we started our own, you know, Osofsky Racing League and um, get up late at night, hook up our wheels to the computer, and we do iRacing, and we do our own little NASCAR races. And that's what the pros have been doing. They've been airing it on Fox on TV. Um, I don't think our races are going to be broadcast. You don't want to see me crashing into the wall, you know, on television to millions. But uh, it's been amazing to see that you have a lot of athletes that are stepping up and, you know, using these virtual platforms to reach out to people. You know, people are connecting a lot more. You know, maybe it is a, a kind of a good effect of some of this that we are able to connect with our friends and family digitally. Uh, people are, are talking before. I mean, Joe, you, you host a great happy hour yourself. So this is what it's all about, you know, connecting with your friends and family. This is what is important um, for us. We like to get behind the wheel of the car, try to connect and race each other. Um, I don't do too well. My brothers are a lot better than I am, but uh, it's still fun to do. And, and you know, we got to stay positive. Things are going to get better very soon. Hey, you're the idea solutions guy. They're the guys that can handle the wrench, I assume. Oh, yeah. That's no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm all metric now. I got no clue what's going all on. Metric. Yeah, Yelisowski, again, you can tune in to Consumer Choice Radio. He and Dave Clement will broadcast their program tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on the Big Talker FM as part of our local, well, broadcast segments that you hear from, what is it, 9 a.m. until 1 p.m. Saturdays as part of a great lineup here, all local programming Saturday mornings here on the Big Talker. Yael, thanks so much for the contributions, as always, and we look forward to catching up with you next week. Yes, sir, Joe. Happy Easter, and all the best to you and the family. And you as well. It is a good Friday moving into Easter weekend. Uh